0: Welcome back to The Overnight Crowd. Lovely to have you here with us on another edition with Paul Heath on SEN. Plenty of time for you to get involved on this edition of The Overnight Crowd, 0433 98 1116. Or if you'd like to jump on, get your opinions out across Australia, across New Zealand and around the world on the SEN app, the number to do so is 1300 736 736. We'd love to hear your lovely, lovely voices on The Overnight Crowd, but plenty going on across the world and also in Australia. It is fair to say in uh, all the leagues that are ongoing at the moment, but uh, to get a bit of help on what is going on in the Big Bash League, the uh, fifth Ashes Test, which is uh, coming up as well, and also we'll uh, turn our attention to AFL, AFL AFLW, and also some NRL. Let's go and have a chat with our boy, Mitch Keating, from Zero Digital Media. He joins us on The Overnight Crowd. G'day to you, Mitch. Hey, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Thanks for the time once again. Uh gee, there's a bit going on around the place, isn't there? But it feels like for the most part the leagues that are ongoing at the moment are getting their show back on the road.
1: Yeah, we're pushing through. It's um as you mentioned, it's nationwide at the moment with what everyone's coming up against, whether we're into the season halfway through just getting started or or even, you know, returning to pre season across many leagues. So um you know, whether it's a team, a club, a player an athlete. We're all getting through it. Um, it's been fantastic to see. Uh, I think communities are still coming together. Um, you know, there's there's a lot to take out of it from a, a journalistic standpoint, and certainly, um, you know, being quite engaging for for a lot of a lot of those that are onlooking. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's what we're dealt with at the moment. It's unprecedented. But um, you know, we're into our third year with the virus and the pandemic uh, now, and to see where we are with some leagues is, is you know certainly a big talking point.
0: We'll start with cricket. Uh, the Big Bash League, uh, which has been ongoing, has unfortunately also hit a bit of a malaise period where fans and now players have had just about enough of it all. Uh, Joe Burns popping up today with some suggestions on Twitter about how to fix it.
1: Yeah, he was, um, he's was he been pretty lively on Twitter lately, Joe. and <laughs> as, as you mentioned, he's certainly not the first person to kind of have their own say on, on uh, how the Big Bash probably could be shaped a bit better. He um, you know, came out today and, and just mentioned that maybe we kind of turn to that you know football NRL um, type format of you know weekend games only. I think you said eight rounds in total for Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, and um, you know with, especially with the World Cup on uh, next year in you know, October, November, and, and rolling right into the Big Bash season, it's going to be very important that um could Australia put on the best possible showcase they can for T20 cricket at the domestic level um, at the conclusion of the World Cup so for Joe that was one of them he did mention that it could go as far as having shield games midweek i'm not too sure um if that's a, if that's going to help because of of the quality the big bash is currently facing but um it's certainly nice to think about it. you know Adam Zampa came out with his comments earlier in the week saying that you know, most of the stars group are quite flat after you know being in isolation and still having a long way to go and more congestion in their fiction now than ever. Um certainly having a, a large toll on the mental health of players. So certainly something that Cricket Australia will consider, uh, I'd like to hope. And whether we see um the Big Bash season season slashed um by this time next year remains to be seen. But when we do have the World Cup um coming right on on the doorstep right before we hit um the first game of
0: the Big Bash, it certainly could be an idea to cut
1: down the the, uh, the campaign and, and uh I guess have a yeah maybe a more prime time slot.
0: So the tweet from Joe Burns, uh, if for any of the listeners that missed it, was uh, next year's Men's Big Bash League should be eight rounds, played on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with one round each weekend. The T20 World Cup in October will create a lot of content before Big Bash, so let's make each game an event with big build-ups, storylines, crowds similar to the winter codes would also allow for some midweek Shield games. So that's the tweet from Burns if you missed it. I love the aspect of Shield games during the week, but I understand your point as well about uh, the quality and uh, how that will affect it.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I couldn't imagine waking up on a Monday after you've just played a T Twenty game last night. You've got three, four days ahead of you of Test cricket, and then you might have a day or two off before, you know, you've you've got maybe a game on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Um, but it, it'd be up to the players. It'd be, you know, an amazing experiment to see. I think obviously cricket fans and sports fans alike would absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, just to see how that would flow. Um, would be certainly an interesting one, and, and you know, given the comments that players like Adam Zampa have had throughout the week, with how tired they are, come you know, throughout the summer period, and look, the pandemic's obviously had a massive influence on how players are feeling this season. But um, you know, ideally, in 12 months' time, when uh, the season comes back around, and we've just had a World Cup in Australia, that there is, I guess, a bit more of a, a lively focus on on the Big Bash.
0: Yeah, a bit of a uh, consequence of the times that we're living in. I think, as you are saying there as well, Mitch. Uh, on to Scotty Boland. Uh, he's had one of the all-time starts to his Test career, and now England's county cricket clubs are coming calling as well.
1: Yeah, a report from uh, News Corp came out earlier today suggesting that a number of his county sides were, you know, chasing Boland services, and um, that sounds like a massive win-win. We see the form that he's been in not only with Australia but in the Shield cricket um, in the lead-up to it with Victoria, but. You know, I don't have to speak too much on the first two tests of his international career with Australia in the Ashes. He's been absolutely fantastic to take. I think mean, it was fourteen wickets. Um and obviously that six for seven or so in, in the Melbourne test in that second innings was absolutely fantastic. But for him and his career, he does need to think about, you know, what are the next steps after the Ashes. Obviously, Australia will go over to Pakistan and that'll be, you know, quite a um a large experience for him. He doesn't go abroad too often and you know, if he's really gonna consider himself as you know, a part of the Australian setup for the next few years, then he does have to have some focus on you know the Duke ball and and playing overseas and particularly in England. And what better way better way to do it than play at the county level? Uh, you know, Australia will travel you know back over to the UK next um, next year for the next Ashes series, and if Bowler can you know find a club, which sounds like it won't be hard to <laughs> on his end, um, and then you know obviously you know, get some time on the British pitches using the juke ball, find some form. That'll be the best preparation for him to prolong his career um, in the Australian setup. Like I said, he's 32. He hasn't got you know, a long career as most others would have, um, but he certainly wants to take a hold while he's there.
0: So the fifth test gets underway in Hobart this Friday. Uh, we're still awaiting the confirmation of if Harris gets backed in, if Head returns, or if everyone's favourite Usman gets turfed uh, following his back-to-back tons from the SCG test.
1: Yeah, it's, we would want to be a selector, to be honest. It's uh, <laughs> not the easiest job, to be fair. I think, I'd like to think that Usman's made their job a little bit easier. Um, obviously, it's only brought up more conjecture over who should really be playing and how each 11 should be lining up. But um, I think with, with where Kawaja's is at, he has to stay in. I think with where Head's at, he has to stay in. And I think that Marcus Harris is the only one, unlucky one to fall out. So I think what we will see is Kawaja come straight up to the top of the order, partner with Warner, minus um, Labushin at three, Smith at four, head back in at five. And the rest, so on and so forth, um, as far as the batting order is concerned. So, I'd like to think Usman holds his place and Head comes straight back into the side. And I think Marcus Harris, is, it's, uh, he's the unlucky one.
0: And uh, how about the bowling attack for the Aussies as well? Hazelwood confirmed that no good. Uh, bowling a bit sore after taking a tumble, but gutsing through the uh, fourth test, which has brought Richardson and Nisa back into focus. Uh, Starkey's hungry for a pink ball test, uh, despite it being his fifth t- test in a row. Uh, do you see any changes being made from the lineup?
1: Well, it's been the story of, uh, I think, Australia's summer so far. We're certainly not short on supply when it comes to attack. As you mentioned, Hazlewood's out, and he'll probably focus on getting ready for the white ball, whether they rest Mitch Stark or not. You know, he's a pink ball specialist. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic for us. He'd love to be a part, I think, of all five tests just to really prove that he's not getting run down, that he can still be a key figure come the last test of the series. Um, I think if we if we claimed the the win earlier this week or last week that he would really be fighting for that spot to be a part of a five nil whitewash. Um, as you mentioned, Scott Boland, if he does play on Friday, he will be playing through pain and injury, so it's, he's not going to be at 100 if even if he does get named for Hobart. So I think Jai Richardson is the one that's going to be ready to come in, um, whether I don't whether they you know, do go for resting Mitchell Stark or whether um, Boland is put on ice for a bit longer. Uh, I think Richardson's definitely the one to jump in. And who knows, if both of them are out, then we've got Michael Nisa, as we saw in Adelaide. Absolutely fantastic as well. So, as mentioned, the Aussie's certainly not short on supply.
0: To some AFL news, and it's okay, Leagies. We've got some league news uh, coming up later in the chat as well. But first to the Giants and Braden Pruce. Ruckman ready to uh, bury a run of injuries with the opportunity to be the number one man at the Giants on offer for him.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic story if he finally makes that game uh, and that debut match for the Giants this year. Fingers crossed! I think a lot of fantasy and SuperCoach fans will also be looking forward to him playing this year. But for Braden, you know, you know the story of not only being second fiddle to Todd Goldstein, moving to Melbourne, and you know, all of a sudden he's second fiddle to Max Gawn. So he hasn't quite <laughs> had the best run when he was fit. And now that he's been at the Giants, the last twelve months has been, you know, um, you know, quite torturous on his body. You know, with uh, I think it was a shoulder injury and then a pec injury and then that sideline his whole 2021 campaign. So to hear from Jason McCartney earlier today on SCN, speaking on Proust's prospects for the rest of the year, that he's fit, he's firing, he's ready to go. Um, It'll be great to see him lining up round one. McCartney did say that there was some speculation over how uh, the Giants could line up with their rucks. They had Matty Flynn and Kieran Briggs both made their debuts last year as well. Um, And all three are still fighting for for those spots, whether that's a sole spot in the ruck, whether they go for that, two-piece tandem, um, they said they're still figuring that out and still figuring those rotations out, but I'd like to think Braden Purse is in for a huge year if he remains fit.
0: Uh, some news you never want to hear um, out of anywhere in the world, uh, sport or life in general. Unfortunately, the passing of Harley Balich, uh, former Docker and Damon, and just so tragic at just 25 years old.
1: Yeah, it's it's like you said, it's it's news that you can never expect, um, and unfortunately, you know, and when you're looking deeper into some of these stories, it is preventable um, in some way or form. So to hear the news of Harley and, and, you know, and not, a, not a player that um, you know, I think a lot of footy fans will admittedly remember necessarily, but to see the impacts that he still had on his from his short career, whether it was with Freer, whether it was with Melbourne or the junior ranks, um, a lot of people have just really commended the person that he was. Um, and yeah, it is a really sad story. And as you mentioned, it's not only a part of sport, it's a part of a broader life and, and everything that people are dealing with. So um yeah, really, really um you know, uh, it, it brings out a lot of the emotion in, in sport, which is something that um, you know, fans live by and and, and unfortunately this is um you know something that uh know, yeah, we just uh we can't see coming. As mentioned it can be preventable um but uh yeah really, really hard story to hear.
0: If you're struggling, you can find support with Lifeline 13114 or lifeline.org.au or Beyond Blue 1300 22 36, or Beyond Blue.org.au. Please reach out if you're struggling. But uh, also, Jamison Daniels, former Western uh, Bulldog rookie, opening up as well about the dark days that he went through following his delisting in 2010. It's always appreciated when people open up like he has, uh, expressing the need for more support for the players moved on from the AFLM and AFLW systems.
1: Yeah, a really brave post from Jamison um, that went up on his Facebook page. I think it was yesterday. And for those that haven't seen it, I do suggest trying to find that post where possible and giving that a read through. I think it offers great insight into what a player would go through, um, you know, not only in building up to their career and the excitement and and then the the sudden disappointment of being delisted, but the years that follow. And um, Jamison Daniels has a story that um, I guess not many people would even think possible uh, from someone that... You know joined the Bulldogs and was cut two years later after not even playing a game, and and many think that it's it's come and go for these kind of people. But um, certainly in Jamison's case, it's um, it's it's completely different. It's it's a rocky road. You know, a lot of players, um, as has been previously recorded and 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 probably will happen again, is the the support system that some of these players have coming out of the league after short spells is isn't probably on the tangent that that the league would want or that many would want, and. Um, you know, in Johnson's case it certainly was for him uh, a tough few years after he was delisted by the Bulldogs in twenty ten. Um, but it's great to hear that he's been able to get his life you know on a track that, that he's he's really happy with at the moment. You know, ten years later he's um, I guess been able to to conjure his own career um outside of football. But after spending, you know, five, six years kind of crafting Um, your dream and then to have that kind of crumble all at once is certainly difficult. But um, yeah, as mentioned, he's, I think from what we can tell from the post and and from uh, despite everything he went through, he's in um, a good space at the moment.
0: James Hurd set to make his return to the AFL ranks with a uh, part-time leadership advisor role at the GWS Giants and uh, former uh, uh, GWS Giant and also uh, Fremantle Docker, Matty DeBoer, believed to have uh, opened the door for the opportunity as well.
1: Yeah, it was it was uh, I guess an interesting one from the De Boer end, and I'll get to that in a sec. But to have James heard back in AFL was a wonderful thing. Uh, I think we don't really have to talk over, you know, his career at Essendon as far as a coach, but um, you know when you do gloss back to to his time as a player, you certainly know the type of person you are bringing into the club. Um, I think he's going to be a fantastic individual and, and working in a part time leadership role, which is something that I think a young Giants group certainly. Um, are sought after at the moment. We do know, you know, they've got three captains <clears> of <throat> me, three captains at the helm in Stephen Cornelio, Josh Kelly and Toby Green and someone like James Heard to come in, a premiership captain with the bombers, he's going to be and absolutely fantastic and bring this unparalleled pedigree um for, for a club like GWS and hopefully this is the first step for him in finding um his return in the AFL.
0: And I don't want to cast aspersions or anything like that, as it's early doors on what we know, but the kangaroos, uh, Jed Anderson, has remained in the Northern Territory. He's believed to be hesitant to receive his second vaccine dose following a poor reaction to the first dose. Is that the latest on what you know?
1: Yeah, it's a peculiar story, this one. Obviously, North Melbourne put out their statement last night to, um, I guess, reveal that yeah, Jed's you know, remaining interstate, is away from teammates, and uh, after a bad reaction to that initial jab, that... He is hesitant, and, and that can be understanding when um, you know things probably don't go the right way for most. And th- this is something that does happen in a very, very small percentage. So, obviously, in Jed's case, um, the, co- the Kangaroos are still confident that he will get that second dose. He got his first one, I think, it was late last year. So I'm not too sure what the time period's like as far as when he can get that next one. But um, you know, I think that from from what the the, the Kangaroos um, are relaying on is that they are confident that, that Jed will move forward and, and get that second one and that's that's something that all 40 fans want to see because Jed is fantastic talent for the Kangaroos. The club are in a really great space at the moment and um, he'd be a big loss if he doesn't play AFL football ever again.
0: To the AFLW, a thumping return to action in round one. Uh, the news also coming in that the millionth supporter to attend an AFLW game since the first ever match in 2017 has happened over the weekend. A great effort considering the matches without fans that we've seen over the past couple of years and also the early ended seasons.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, a great benchmark for the women's game. As you mentioned, not only was, I guess, this weekend's fixtures somewhat impacted by you know COVID complications, but last year and even the year prior. So um, there's been yeah, some fantastic work going into the women's game from all avenues. And to see the one millionth fan walk through the, the turnstiles is, is uh, yeah, as mentioned a great benchmark to see. and it's only getting bigger. It's on a fantastic trajectory at the moment. And um, each season, each weekend, it's only getting better. And I think that was on show in round one, when you compare, I guess the quality of football that we saw um, from this weekend to 12 months ago, it's, it's vast and contrast. And I think, um, yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic to see.
0: Unfortunately, at times with the AFLW, it feels like injuries and the uh, football go hand in hand. And Collingwood's Brie Davey, the Western Bulldogs, Izzy Huntington and Brisbane Lions' uh, Kate Luckins have all suffered uh, season-ending ACL injuries, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, three, I guess, A-class-caliber uh, players all going down with their seasons um, in the opening weekend is not something anyone ever wants to see. Um, it's a massive blow for all three all three clubs who are, you know, all in the premiership window, all set to contend at the pointy end of this year and um Bree Davy looking to defend her AFLW best and fairest um claim is is, you know, uh, uh, I guess heartbreaking to see and, and for such a early career and we know the talent that Bree has for so Isabel Huntington. Uh you know, this isn't obviously her first knee injury either and um it's gonna be quite disappointing for her. She has been in some high spirits since but um to see such an exciting young talent, um, side line once again is really devastating. And then for Kate Luckins, I guess on the flip side, she a veteran of the game, apprenticeship player, um, and a real um, I guess stalwart for the Lions down in defense. So yeah, three major blows in the opening weekends. We do see this quite often with um I guess the women's game and obviously working through the, the summer pitches as well in the fields that are a bit harder can um I guess bump up that um injury con- concern and cause for concern so um, you know, whether it's something that the AFL and the AFL they'll be looking at, we hope so, we assume so but um, at the moment it's what we're dealing with and hopefully that's that's the end of it.
0: The news gets worse for the Lions as well. Dakota Davidson set to miss five weeks with a foot sprain. Uh, not good timing there for the Lions.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a double blow with uh, Luckins and, and Davidson both going out and that was certainly compounded with that loss um, in the grand final rematch. You know, a lot of people had the Lions going pretty deep into the season. I think that was really going to be on the back of Luckins and Davidson having those strong campaigns this year. Um, you know, Davidson are one of the best uh, goal scorers in the competition. So it's really disappointing. Obviously, four or five weeks, so it's half the season. Hopefully, she uh, you know, been firing and, and can follow that timeline and, and even come back earlier. But, um, yeah, another blow for the Lions. And hopefully, it doesn't mean... You know, their season goes off always too derailed, too early. Yep. Um, and we see them, you know, straight into contention for the for the coming weeks.
0: Reports have been emerging as well that Ali Blackburn, the skipper for the Bulldogs, was set to miss the upcoming Geelong match due to health and safety protocols. But uh, there's been more cases today as well that have put the Geelong versus Western Bulldogs clash from Geelong in doubt this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's something that I guess a lot of footy fans have probably feared, I guess, over the, the course of the last few weeks, is just how bad... Um, sorry, just how bad all this would be um, with balancing COVID and the league itself. But for the Bulldogs to have, I think it's double-digit players um, currently with the virus um, on top of that, we also have, you know, uh, I think the Cats have got some injury concerns of their own, the Bulldogs have got injury concerns of their own, and um, the Bulldogs are looking to field, what I think it's 16 players at least at a minimum of primary listed players. They can have five top-up players, but to have 16 players or less sorry, 16 players or more, um, we'll have them fit and firing. But anything less than that and the match will have to be postponed or at worst cancelled.
0: Could this be the uh, first top-up player approach uh, or the, pros- the first uh, time that we see the rule in action for this match to go ahead, do you think?
1: Well, yeah, it's certainly a chance. That the Bulldogs, I uh, guess, relied on top-up players for their emergency spots for the first week. So that kind of gives you a great idea of just where their list was at prior to, to this kind of COVID breakout. So um yeah, certainly something that the AFLW are going to be considering and going to be relying on and what that means for also the AFL um in the, the months ahead with top up players and obviously they do have deeper squads, so you could just see some clubs on their last legs as well. But with top up players certainly going to be a big, big part of the uh the AFLW season. It's been part of the big bash. We're seeing ten day contracts in the NBA. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is certainly going to be uh, not the first weekend. We're talking about pop up players for sure.
0: To the NRL to uh, finish off with, and we've had the uh, pre season trials confirmed. Three weeks of trials to get us through to the end of February. Uh, headlined by the annual NRL uh, All Stars match as well.
1: Yeah, so okay. by, I think it's Saturday, they, February 12th, that game scheduled for between the Indigenous All Stars and the Mary All Stars. And I think that same weekend, uh, the Broncos have a clash against the Queensland Cup side, the Wynnum. Manly Sea Eagles. So those two, um, just only matches from that weekend. Uh, before we kick into the swing of things, um, each club having two games each between uh, I think Feb 18 and late later that month. So those last two weekends of February will be chocker block with uh, 20. Uh, it? I think it's uh, what's that? 16 games overall. So an extra two games to kick off that first week, as mentioned. And yeah, plenty of action, and it's great. It's going to be great to see clubs. You know. Back on, on back on pitches, what their squads are going to look like is a big question. We <laughs> already know the, the huge impact that COVID is already having on the NRL and their squads. The Bulldogs were forced to cancel training today. I think they've postponed that for the weekend, um and we end up seeing you know catastrophic numbers of players currently sidelined and in isolation. So these trial matches are usually a great chance to see some of the younger players come through. But I think we're going to see you know some really um, different squads named in these trial matches, just given what the Annabelle's dealing with at the moment.
0: I love a good uh, internet sleuth, and uh, Luke Keary was uh, sort of caught out by one, to be fair. Uh, He was only able to manage three games before an ACL injury last season. He's had a setback on his return uh, from that injury, Uh, and an Instagram post showed him in a moon boot, and uh, we didn't have any confirmation of uh, any injury or anything like that, but uh, sort of forced the club to uh, come out and confirm it, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's um, it was an interesting one that got picked up, uh, I think, in the last 24 hours or so of Mike in a moon boot. And, you know, we know the ACL injury, injury he went through last year, and it certainly raised a few questions as to you know, why he was hobbling around in a moon boot at, at this point of his recovery. So, like you said, some people digging a little deeper. It kind of forces the hand of the club. And, um, yeah, I think the has revealed that Kiri had some surgery on his ankle uh, late last year, so that's required him to obviously... Um, need some assistance in, in getting around but they've said that it won't impact um, his rehabilitation. He's still on track. You know, He's expected to get back into full training in the next three to four weeks so I think at some point in this week he'll be running around uh, sorry, point in this month he'll be running around and then ideally you know, he'll be eased back into um, the Roosters uh, set up and ideally and fingers crossed he's playing around one because he is one of the most damaging halfbacks in the competition. Sam Walker was absolutely fantastic in his place last year but The Roosters, um, their whole squad was really battling with injury and and he was a big part and and, and left that massive void for Trent Robertson's side.
0: There's been some talks between the Players Association and the NRL over the uh, COVID protocols that have been seen as stricter by the players. uh, Is this something we could see making some players uh, vote with their feet and leaving or are the league uh, going to listen to their complaints, you think?
1: Well, yeah, the league have kind of already had to take a a step towards the the Players Association at at least once there. Obviously, when they brought up these new restrictions of you know, players you know, requested not to go in big indoor venues and you know avoid these um, you know, big crossovers and potential outbreaks, it kind of caught them off guard on the eve of the new year. So, yeah, you know, there's certainly something from the players that was um, I think they, they just felt a bit shocked in, in what the league was able to do straight away in the flick of the switch, and that certainly prompted some of these discussions between the players' association and the league heads. So um it's great to see that, you know, they are talking and they are getting things rolling before, you know, the eve of round one as with what we saw with the AFLW and the AFL released some new restrictions for the AFLW players pretty much on the day of the first day back um in round one. So at least for the for NRL, they're certainly keeping these um uh, conversations fluid and keeping them moving and I think it's 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 gonna be an interesting next few months to see just what NRL players are able to do because the league certainly is in panic stations at the moment given the current situation with COVID cases and players aren't absent from training Mm. um, and the NRL are just doing the best they can to combat that but players really need to be able to balance that professional life and that uh, personal life so um, it's going to be an interesting one to see if the NRL do go back a bit on those restrictions that they've put in place or um, what kind of direction they move into I think it's been made pretty clear that players are under those circumstances wanting to go back into bubbles for another season so um, it's kind of left the NRL with some options to consider, but certainly not an easy proposition for them.
0: And I'm not sure on your fluency with French, but it might be a good time for you to brush up uh, Bonhomie and find out about the <laughs> Champs-Élysées, how it's a busy street as the Rugby League World Cup has been awarded to France for 2025.
1: Yeah, first time. I think this year marks 50 years since they last held the uh, the World Cup. So in a couple of years' time when they get it back again, it'll be huge for them. You know, Breaking that kind of cycle of Australia and New Zealand and England or hosting it um, obviously it'll go to the UK later this year but um, in three years time just across to France so that'll be great to see for International Rugby League it has been trying to expand as much as possible obviously uh, I think you know, when comparing Union and, and League that the World Cups are certainly a lot more competitive in Union and with, um, with what we can get in League there's a few clubs certainly in that top echelon that, uh, top bracket and then after that I think there's a few chases behind but for France, it'll, you know, build great momentum for them over the next few years. Obviously, Catalan's in the Super League of, of, are slowly forming into this, um, you know, household name in an English competition. So that's been fantastic for them. But um, for the World Cup, for the 2025 for France, it's going to be magnificent.
0: Mitch, really appreciate the time once again, mate, on the overnight crowd. We'll keep up with your work across zero digital media. Thanks, Edie.
1: Thanks again,
0: mate. That's Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joining us on the Overnight Crowd. So plenty to talk about from there. Uh, Any fixes that you have for the Big Bash League? Uh, Do you think it's okay at the moment? Is it just a um, consequence of timing and the pandemic that we're living through, the unparalleled times at the moment? Let us know on the Overnight Crowd 0433 981116 that's the text line in studio if you'd like to uh, pop one through on your mobile or 1300 736 736 if you want to jump on and have a chat get your opinions out there clearly and concisely to uh, everyone that is listening on the Overnight Crowd and on and on SEN around Australia across New Zealand and around the world on the SEN app it's Paul Heath by your side lovely to have your company with us and we'll be right back on SEN just after this